0: And welcome to episode 11 of the Long Story Short Podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Kornick. On today's episode, I will be chatting with the wonderfully inspiring Sarah Doyle. Sarah is a well-known and respected TEDx speaker and life coach with almost 10 years experience. Her business, The Better Life Project, was founded in 2014 and has become a standout life coaching business, providing support to thousands of women every year. On today's episode, we discuss exactly what the role of a life coach is and how Sarah's business, The Better Life Project, was created. We also dive deep into discussing how Sarah supports her clients in breaking through their lack of self-belief and low self-confidence by teaching them how to gain clarity and fall in love with their life again. As a female business owner, I find this conversation extremely interesting and picked up on some brilliant tips. However, whether you are a woman in business or just a woman in general, I highly recommend you give this episode a listen. Hi Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the Long Story Short podcast. How are you? I'm very good, Vicky. Thank you so much for having me here. Sarah, I have been following you for a while now and we kind of had a brief chat before we started recording and I feel that you are that person I need in my life when it comes to running business and building my self-confidence as a business owner. But firstly, before we get into things, would you mind just telling our listeners who you are, what you do, and who do you work with?
1: Awesome. I would be delighted to. So my name is Sarah Doyle. My business is called The Better Life Project. I always feel they're the most important pieces to get out there. I've been known to do talks and forget my name and forget to mention my business. Um, I am long story, a life executive and confidence coach for women. That means that I work with people to support them, find clarity in their lives, uh, work towards their goals and increase their confidence, self-esteem, self-belief and self-compassion at the same time. I like to get as much in there as, as I possibly can. Life coaches are very effective at working with people who need accountability and support who want to create a new life path for themselves. I have been doing this for a very long time, so almost 10 years. Before I started coaching, I worked in a university on an international development research piece. So my academic background and my background once leaving college was human rights, international development. I I couldn't shake the feeling, though, that my life was trying to tell me to go on a different path. I didn't know it was coaching at the time, but I adored working with people to help them feel inspired and confident. I loved working with people to help them experience success. And after a wonderful conversation with one of my colleagues in the university at the time, she told me, Sarah, it sounds like you want to become a life coach. Nine months later, a year later, I was qualified. I was working on the Better Life Project and continued to nurture the BLP as a side project for about 15 months before I became incredibly stressed out but also couldn't ignore the pull of that unfulfilled ambition to pursue coaching as my full-time job. I handed in my notice, I started working and I genuinely feel so completely aligned to my passion and my purpose and to what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So I'm one happy life coach.
0: That is amazing and I personally am always in that belief that just life is too short to be doing something that you don't feel, like you said, aligned with and that you are happy with. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love my job. I don't run in there every day with this massive smile. Well, I kind of do, but like (laughs) there are days where, you know, it is that little bit harder. But I think just with what you've said there, and you can just tell by you explaining it how passionate you are Mm -hmm. about what you do. And I, it, it just reminds me like I can relate to that so much because essentially when it comes to the the job that I do so you know being a gym owner and working with clients especially women nothing fulfills me more than seeing their confidence grow in a gym setting or in a you know a, a lifestyle setting where they feel they can go out for dinner with their family and it's not affecting them mentally and they're not stressing out like those things and and I can just feel your energy when you're talking about how happy your job makes you feel. And I can definitely relate to that. So I think we're very lucky that we that we get to say that. And someone that comes to mind is actually one of my coaches, um, Claire, and I'm sure she'll be listening to this. She worked as a solicitor for mm-hmm. seven years, I think. And um, she'll correct me if I'm wrong, but she finally was like, I just I'm I'm not in this and and became a, a personal trainer and yeah. as far as I'm kind of speaking for her but she hasn't looked yeah. back so I think that's it's amazing to just be able to say that Which I do
1: think it is important to acknowledge though the the privilege that allowed me to take the steps that I did. When I was transitioning from full time employment to working for myself, I had no mortgage. I had no kiddies. Um, I had um, and still have an incredibly supportive husband who was able to help me out on more than one occasion when things weren't going well and things did not go well very frequently. It's important to acknowledge that I I don't believe we live in a world where everyone's resources or position can allow them the opportunity to pursue their passions in the same way that I did. I also don't believe it's necessary that we all have a job that we absolutely adore because a job is only one part of our life and one part of our existence. I am. I've worked extremely hard. Oh, my God, I have. I have wept over my business, bled over my business, but I'm also extremely lucky that I am someone who loves her job as much as, as much as she does. But the number of women that I will work with, and I will say the following, fuck it. It's just a job. It's 40 hours a week. What else can we do with this one beautiful, precious life that you have? What other hobbies can we nurture? What other passions can we explore? We don't need to put all of our eggs into the career basket. So it's important to acknowledge that as well, because the pressure that we can put ourselves under to have the perfect job is is pretty intense, but it doesn't always need to be the perfect job. The job can be good enough and we can look to outside of our job or our work for that fulfillment or meaning or purpose, passion or satisfaction that we crave.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And like you said, I think, you know, social media can be great for these things, but it can also be not so great because I certainly look at, you know, other trainers or other people in business and I think, oh my God, they, you know, they don't have any bad days and they go about their their job and they're so, they love it every day. And like, like I said, like I'm, I'm so lucky that I love my job. But like you said, there are dark days when you're running a business and working for yourself and it can be really, really difficult. So yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely important to to put out there. But I suppose yeah. before we kind of continue on, what, what is exactly is it a life coach and what does being one entail? So I suppose if I'm a client and I come to you, what exactly mm-hmm. are you going to, I know you kind of listed this and like who you help, but- How does it how does the process work? Okay, so think of coaching, personal coaching, as the umbrella term.
1: And within coaching, there are different domains or specialties that you can identify or align with. We have executive coaching, business coaching, leadership coaching, confidence coaching, which I believe might be a relatively new term, um, and life coaching. So, several different um, spaces within the umbrella term of personal coaching. As a coach who identifies with the life confidence and executive space and the executive space, even though it was the qualification I received almost 10 years ago, it's only been something that I've leaned into in the last maybe year, two years. And um, I will speak for me and what I do as a coach. So I will um, specialize in um, self-discovery. So if an individual is feeling lost, like they are lacking fulfillment or purpose in their life, if they want to try to increase their self-awareness, that's within the self-discovery space. I am your gal. That is for me just such a privilege to be able to work with people to help them understand why the hell am I here and, and what am I doing? developmental would um, include goal setting, confidence, um, but um, things that we might perceive as being a little bit more measurable. Um, Training is time management, public speaking, that sort of thing. So I I would specialize in, in those. As far as I'm concerned, if I do the executive coaching, I do all of that, but with senior talent, leading professionals, that sort of thing. Um, and then confidence coaching, I guess that's something that I heard quite a bit. And because I'm kind of that person that a lot of people think of when they think of a lack of confidence and who can I get to help me improve my confidence. I am the person that a lot of people think of, so I just went, okay, I'm a confidence coach. If if you lack confidence, then come to me in the same way that if you have a toothache, you go to a dentist. If you have a sore knee, you go to a doctor. If you have a lack of confidence, come to me as a confidence coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so the areas that I specialize in, if you're feeling lost, if you want to set your goals, if you want to promote, your, um, promote feelings of clarity, if you have a very strong inner critic, if you don't believe in yourself, um, I am your gal.
0: <laughs> that is brilliant. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel the majority of us could deal with a little bit of, a little bit of coaching on that. Like I, I definitely, I definitely know that's how I started following you, that I struggle with those things and we're always in our own heads that there's a lot of the time for me is that feeling of, you know, imposter syndrome of, oh, do I really know what I'm doing here like am I or am I you know a good enough trainer or am I a good enough business owner I'm I'm only young and there's that always that self doubt in my head and I've gotten better at it over the years but and I suppose Maybe that's just you know proving to myself you know each year like okay i I'm still in the game i can I, I can still do this, you know a client comes to me and they'll tell me that I've you know helped them massively improve their confidence in the gym, and that's just that extra bit of confidence growing on me um so I, I think that's that's fascinating that you know you you delve into such a specific area um it's it's amazing and talking about the um the better life project, so that is your that's your baby. That's your business. Um, how did you create it? How did that start?
1: Um, it it wouldn't have started without my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. Um, I met James. I call him Lovely Bomb because he has the most fabulous bottom that I've ever seen. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> I met him in um a gym about. 10, nine years ago. We're married five years at the end of February. Um, so I met him in a gym and at that point in my life, I was training, loving everything about my life, except for my job. My job was causing me overwhelming levels of stress and anxiety. I was burnt out, overwhelmed. I was losing myself to my work. Um, the life coaching qualification that I earned, was gathering dust in the back of my room because I had no time and no energy to dedicate towards trying to nurture this. My husband James const like one of the first things that James ever did when we were courting was he sent me a um an image that he made and this was before canva pick monkey, all those things he sent me an image that I think he made on a word document or something like that but it was Sarah Doyle life coaching with a lightning bolt going through it as the logo representing the scar in Harry Potter's head because I am obsessed with Harry Potter so that's always been the role that James has played in my life he never let me forget my passions he never let me think that it wasn't possible to do any of this he trained as an accountant and months before me setting up the better life project he set up revolution fitness's gym so we both transitioned from um very you know stable secure positions to running our own gyms running our own businesses um yeah life got really really difficult i i um something negative happened in my life and james looked at me and said sarah life is far too short can you not imagine the Better Life Project? And that was the first time that I had ever heard the words, the Better Life Project. And it was the first time that I ever allowed myself to visualize what life could be like if I embraced life coaching as my vocation, as my career. And from that moment on, it took me approximately 15 months to establish the BLP as a business as an authority and to develop the courage to be able to leave my full-time job. Um, And the rest is history. So it it was James. It was James just, even when I forgot how to nurture my passion, he was always there in the background, never letting me forget what I loved doing more than anything else in the world at the time. And then it was him who said the words, the Better Life Project. And I just became like, I was like a dog with a bone after that. I just knew that it had to work.
0: That's that's amazing. And I think that just shows how important having support is. And it can be hard having to do things like by yourself without, without support. So that's, that's, that's incredible. And the both of you, like just, went to to what you're truly passionate about i think that's so we're both self- so
1: inspiring both self employed which is an absolute nightmare when you're trying to apply for a mortgage especially during covid-19 um and we're both self employed yes, i i can only imagine oh. it's something i absolutely dread <laughs> but we did it we did it um Amazing the kids because we have a flexibility um with our children that we never would experience if we were working a nine-to-five anywhere else um so we are um we've created quite a it's not a unique lifestyle there are so many self-employed people out there but a very deliberate lifestyle we're really happy with it
0: yeah and and you sound like a great team which is again we have our moments we have our moments we fight as does everyone Fight like cats
1: and dogs but I would be a relatively private person which always makes my friends and family go seriously like we've seen you talking to walls Sarah Um, I just don't put everything out there in social media and I my relationship or my kids very often but my god like we fight like cats and dogs but I would I would there's no there's no one I'd rather fight with there's no one that I'd rather have in my corner than than James um every single day I I choose him um and I choose the life that we have together but if if you're listening to this and if you've been following me for a while and you think that we're perfect we're not (laughs) we work pretty
0: no I I don't think I I mean none of us know what goes on like with people's lives but I again um young 24 year old I I get caught up in Instagram a lot which I have to snap myself out of and go that person's relationship isn't as perfect as they they might you know make it out to be and and I think that's again just being honest and being real but it it definitely kind of grinds people a little bit um when when they realize that but um and, and I know you said you kind of don't really talk about you know kids and relationships and stuff on on social media but How, how do you find being self-employed, um, or or running your own business and and having kids? It's surely like, you know, it's amazing because there's that bit of flexibility is there, but I can only imagine there is some challenges that, that come with it because a business at the end of the day, it's, it is for, it's my baby. So I can't imagine having, you know, real babies, (laughs) um, uh, with that.
1: Where do I begin? Um, where do I begin? it is without a doubt one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life and it has brought me to tears I have um questioned myself more than once um in April of last year I wanted to quit everything I resented how hard it was trying to be a mom and be a business owner at the same time I felt constantly pulled. I felt unable to switch off. I when I became a mom to my absolutely wonderful son Billy, I was completely overwhelmed at how difficult it was. I was not the mother that I thought that I was going to be, and I was confronted with the very real problem of trying to figure out what sort of mother i was becoming and i found that very difficult but when i only had one child i was able to manage my time very differently and i was able to give of myself to the better life project because there was just one kid pulling me and billy was an easy kid we had problems with sleep like most parents do but we overcame them But he was an easy kid and he was independent. And I could very easily sit at the kitchen table and he would play around me, and life was grand. Mm -hmm. In comes Daisy, who had a whole other plan for me and my business. (laughs) She was like, Mom, did you just put me down? Do you expect me to sit here quietly? Because if you do, you're in for a rude awakening. You better hold me. You better hold me all the time. Uh, She cried, she screamed. She broke me, my darling, beautiful daughter. The the little girl that I didn't know that I needed broke me. And that was about early last year. Uh, So I was trying to manage two very, very different kids. Occasionally, I like to refer to James as my third child um, and trying to run the business. So it was and continues to be one of the most challenging things that I have ever embarked on. But I am not one to shy away from a challenge. And I definitely appreciate that the more challenging the experience, the um, more fruitful the reward. Mm-hmm. And with running a business and having two kids, I am able to experience something that I wouldn't swap for anything. Myself and James are able to go for morning coffees. We can pick Billy up early from crash on a Thursday afternoon and take him to the playground and play with him and we'll go out for a spontaneous dinner. I would never, ever swap that or change that, but it's be really yeah. hard i have two businesses i have two jobs when it comes to my professional life one i'm a life coach which i do very well and i adore the second is running business which i don't adore and i do quite poorly sometimes um i am not the best business owner in the world at all and i've had to seek a lot of support and help um but the more support and help i get the better i become um so yeah long story short love the name for the podcast by the way um i i do it um i struggle massively um I think that you need to think very carefully about our decision to become self-employed and to become um, a parent. And I don't say that to deter people, but I do say that because what you see in Instagram is not what's happening in real life. It is extremely difficult. Um, but we can make it worth it and I make it worth it Mm. and I make it work and I adore it and I wouldn't change it. I'll give out about it loads, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I absolutely adore my life. Um, Mm. But having that second kid really did just throw me over the edge.
0: I think that's, that's very inspiring though, what you said. And it's very real. And like we were just saying there, a lot of people will scroll through social media and think, this person has the best relationship, this person has an incredibly mm. easygoing life with their kids and running a business. And I often think some people get frustrated about that. Like Me being one of them, I, I, I definitely I would be lying if I said I've never thought, oh my God, why can't I just have that? And then I just think talking about the reality more is so important because people will then again come back down to earth and go oh, okay you know I'm I'm so grateful for what I have and I know that everybody yeah. struggles in some yeah. way um yeah so no I, I think you're such- you're such an inspiration and like wow. I, I do exactly. I do think further down the line oh, I'd love to you know have kids and but I do think wow if it happened now what would I do like how would I still run my business and my mum's that constant Mm -hmm. reminder of like you would just you would do it you would know how to figure it out and you would do it but it would it's not saying it would be easy it would be it would be hard you
1: you you have no choice Mm -hmm. as as a parent I have no choice other than needing to figure it out the difference is I've had to get but also chosen to get very good at asking for help. Mm-hmm. So I was struggling massively with the business. I have now invested quite heavily into my business and working with the right coach. So I work with a business coach to, to help me. And it's been one of the best things ever because as soon as I handed over her money, I felt like this massive weight lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. And I went, I actually don't need to do this on my own anymore. Um, but the kids are awesome. The kids are freaking amazing. I was terrified of having a girl because of um the fears and insecurities that i had growing up around body image for example but also how difficult it is being a young girl growing up in in our day and age yeah. um i was so scared of what it would ha- what would be needed to raise a young girl because i overthink i compare myself i get jealous i look at certain parts of my body and i go oof like, i love my body but i don't love how parts of it look And I was thinking, God, do I have what it takes to to raise a strong and independent young girl? And she has been nothing but a gift in my life. She was everything that I needed to help me realize I always had what it took Mm -hmm. to do this very thing. I just needed her to show me. She's been... My God, she's work. She's so much work, but she's a gift. She's an absolute gift in my life, and she is the reason why I am better at being a life coach than yeah. I've ever been before. Yeah, I it's can, it's
0: amazing, and she's. I can definitely understand that. Like, I I think when you work with people, you can't buy experience. You can't do a course on things to get you experience. Like, yes, you can improve your knowledge by doing a course, but I I am definitely a firm believer that living through something and going through something makes you far more relatable and you can then relate to other people more and i just think that can help coaching skills in in so many ways so yeah i think i think that's amazing how you how you summarized all of that um so when it comes to your work and and how you work with clients what, if you have to pick one of the biggest barriers or the biggest struggle that you see when it comes to working with women, what, what is it?
1: Self-belief. We get in our
0: own way. We sabotage ourselves like nobody's
1: business uh, because we don't believe that we can do something. We, uh, following from that, we're then um, very mean to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's not just in the words that we use to describe our experiences It's how we sit with our thoughts and how we identify with those thoughts. So if there was one thing that I see more than anything, if there were two things that I see more than anything and two things that I am very passionate about working on and determined to support women improve, it is their self-belief and it is their inner critic or their experience of um, negative thoughts. They are, um, uh, we get in our own way more than anyone or anything it's gen. if you can afford to work with a life coach it's not a lack of resources that's holding you back from accomplishing your goals it's a lack of self-belief you are standing in your own way because you've told yourself I don't deserve this I'm not good enough for this or what would happen if I do get it or what happens if I fail or if I'm judged or rejected that's what's holding us back And our inner critic or our inner saboteur will take one of those fears or doubts or insecurities and run with it. And without knowing what to do to heal from that, we sit there and we don't consciously allow it to happen, but we subconsciously let it happen because we don't know what else to do. We've tried mindfulness, journaling or therapy. Uh, We've read a book and we're wondering why isn't the problem fixed yet? The amount of women that I've spoken to that feel they've been proactive around healing from their problems or getting clarity. The amount of women that I've spoken to going, well, I've tried this and I've tried that and it hasn't worked Um. Uh, I will then follow up by saying, well, what committed action have you taken? What steps have you taken to move forward? And they're floored. They they haven't done anything. They think that reading a book is enough. They think listening to a podcast is, is enough and it's a part of the journey, definitely but we need to take a very holistic approach towards building our confidence and understanding our inner critic, which usually means that you need to uh, be mindful, write a journal and see a coach at the exact same time. Um, So the barriers that I will see are um, a inner critic, my inner critic, and she can be nasty at times. She's not... She won't turn around and say, "Sarah, you're such a stupid bitch. You're so fat. What's wrong with you?" She doesn't say things like that. My inner critic, I, 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 I don't like that language, and I don't use that language in my everyday life. And I don't use that language when talking about my or my inner critic doesn't use that language talking about me. But what she will do is say, "God, did did she roll her eyes at me? Why why didn't she why didn't she seem happier when I told her that?" And I'll think about that for days. I still think about stuff that went wrong 10 years ago. I still think about stuff that went wrong 15 years ago. That's what my inner critic will do. She will attach to a thought and not let it go. And she is subtle, but she is persistent and relentless with those thoughts. And that's my inner critic. Um, And that can be really difficult trying to let go of or trying to reframe. And I see this a lot with women. So it's, it's self-compassion piece that will help us to heal from our inner critic. And it's learning practical steps that we can take to improve our, our self-belief. We need more than an influencer on Instagram saying, you just got to believe in yourself. I'm going, hun. that's great. Thank you. But how, how do I believe in myself? like and that's what i do what
0: you've said there and, and i i'm totally can relate to this I, i'm an overthinker and i exactly like that someone mm-hmm. will say something to me but they might have said it in a way that i'm going god what do they mean by that and then i'm you know i'm, I'm thinking about it constantly it's wasting my energy it's draining me and it's like yep. yeah i i heard it or i said this to somebody the other day or i heard it you know a few months ago and it always has stuck with me is um when it comes to you know people or clients or whatever it's it's uh twenty percent of people or clients or whatever you know you're doing will take up eighty percent of your time and it's often I find the people that I'm trying to please i can't I can't get there i can't so i'm they're taking up so much of my energy that i can't i struggle to focus on the more important stuff and exactly what you said, just when you, you said somebody would have said something to you ten years ago and you're still thinking about it. That's ex- I mean, geez, I can absolutely yeah. relate to that. Yeah.
1: So um and then it's even, you know, 20% of our experience of life, of our conversations, of our internal dialogue will take up 80% of our energy. So we need to start to think very intentionally and to act very deliberately and to ask ourselves some really hard hitting questions about how we want to live our lives. How do we want to behave? What thoughts do we want to let into our life? And I am not talking about toxic positivity here. I am a big believer in letting your feelings in, no matter how Mm -hmm. ick they might be, because you can't heal what you can't name and you can't name what you don't let in. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big, big believer and letting the feelings in, trying to understand the feelings, rationalizing the feelings and then trying to and then trying to um, and then trying to manage them. It's really easy to say all of that, though. Yeah, It it's hard to do it. But like anything in life, whether or not it's a promotion, saving for a house or a car or a goal to increase your confidence or to improve the relationship that you have with yourself. These things do take time. Yeah.
0: Do you do you think that that puts people off? starting yeah
1: yeah yeah massively because we want results yesterday and we are living in a society that is obsessed with immediate gratification how many times when you're searching for things on your phone will you get frustrated because it's not loading fast enough if someone's story on instagram doesn't load within two seconds you scroll to the next one because you're fed up of waiting but when we take a moment to actually think about what's happening you have a mobile device a handheld device that will allow you to connect with anyone in the world And vice versa, you can share images and parts of your life with them. Because that's not loading within two seconds, we're getting bored. So 100% when it comes to our accomplishments, our journey, our goals, we want to do it as quickly as possible. And we want instant, immediate results. One of the hardest jobs, one of my, one of the hardest parts of my job is helping people to appreciate that, If you are serious about creating change in your life, you need to embrace small steps. Mm -hmm. 1% every day is better than doing something huge, getting freaked out, retreating into your comfort zone, experiencing anxiety and panic as a result and resolving never to do it again. We do. You do not need to take grand steps in order to create grand change in your life. You need to take small, consistent steps in order to create meaningful and sustainable change in your life. And that's difficult for people. Yeah. But once they
0: embrace that, it's life changing. It is, and and it's incredible. A lot of what you said there, I I definitely can apply when it comes to what I work with my clients on. And it's like I don't want you to quote-unquote fix your you know training and your nutrition and your you know lifestyle all in one day like it's not possible I would much rather you just get exactly what you said that one percent better every day or Mm -hmm. just ask yourself am I just that bit further than I was yesterday and I think that is so underestimated and and I I can understand that like I am somebody that exactly what you said I want results yesterday but I want to have three gyms yesterday but at the end of the day, I just think, um, and you'll you'll kind of, I suppose, let me know kind of what is a great way to help with this. But for me, it's reflecting back on where was I six months ago and wow, okay, I've, I've gotten myself to this point. And even if, you know, maybe figures wise or number of clients in the gym, nothing much has changed. There has to be something else, something that I always say to my clients is they'll report back to me their wins for the week. And I'm, you know, a lot of them will say, oh, I don't really have anything. And I'm like, well, I saw you in the gym three times this week. So go back to Mm -hmm. six months ago before you even knew what the gym was. You were never in the gym. So reflecting back. But is there anything else? um, And if reflecting is kind of one of the things that helps, is there anything else that you would say helps when it comes to, you know, that that continuing On And just saying, I'm focusing on, you know, getting that 1% better each day.
1: Reflection is is, is hugely important to being able to um, take a moment to contemplate the success that we've experienced to date and the changes that we have experienced to date. But conversely, also just accepting that it's okay if you go through a period of your time or of, of life where. All you do is survive Mm -hmm. the day. It's okay if you don't accomplish anything. It's okay if you're not successful. Um, All of these things are okay. And it's all a part of life. We are, as much as we are infatuated with immediate results and instant gratification, we're also infatuated with success and winning and improving and developing And I work in the personal development space. So it might be unusual for people to hear me say what I'm about to say, but we don't always need to learn or to grow or to accomplish or to succeed. Sometimes what we simply need to do is to accept what's happened and be okay with that. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to with as much as we possibly can connect with our values and if a value is defined as how you want to live your life on an ongoing basis if we can connect with our values we're able to find a meaning and a purpose to our life that is still there even when we don't succeed or do things well. So it's moving people away from goal focused living and supporting them to embrace value-based living. Mm-hmm. So even if an individual who may have a goal to lose weight or to squash their body weight, for example, even if they're not making any manageable or measurable progress towards that goal, if they're connecting with their values. So if they're going to the gym if they are um, drinking water, if they are showing themselves compassion, if they're doing those things, then they won't mind if they're not making measurable steps towards accomplishing their goal yeah. because they're connected with their values. They feel authentic to themselves.
0: I think that's, so, that's a very good point. Really, really. Yeah, and it's- I think so.
1: Just, yeah when when we both work in an industry that um is is basically positioned around supporting people to create change and for a lot of the time if you're in a gym it's measurable change clients want to know what weight they've lost how many inches they've lost how many you know minutes they've um uh, taken off their 10k run how many kilos they've added onto their deadlift it's I believe that we have a responsibility to also support that individual to, as you've suggested as well, acknowledge that how they live their life and how they behave on a daily basis is very, very different. Mm. And that is enough. Yeah. And that can be enough.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so true. And that's kind of something that I've realized again still working on it but I definitely think when I look back to five years ago six years ago when I first started in the industry it was always like that striving okay you know even with my own training mm. or with my own work was like okay how many clients can I get can I get extra clients can I get another person on board or can I you know like you said squat heavier in the gym next week and it, and, and and my dad um he he's, he works a lot with uh he's a mentor and he he does a lot of leadership stuff as well and Mm -hmm. it kind of takes me you know talking back and forth with him for him to say you know what like I'll say to him you know dad nothing's changed in the past six months and I haven't made progress in this area and he said but you know what like it's okay to stay put exactly what you've just said here it's okay to stay put for a while and Mm -hmm. to not think of that as a negative thing and I suppose in some way this just kind of comes to mind here. When clients first start in the gym, we we call it the beginner gains. So they'll see like a massive increase on their you know their lifts because they're new. They're they've just started something, and it's a totally normal process. I see. Obviously, it's dependent on the person, but they'll kind of get to the stage where they're questioning me, going, "But Vicky, I didn't increase any of my lifts this week," and it's mm-hmm. it's letting them know that. That's okay. You've gotten to that stage where you're not a beginner anymore. Therefore, in order to go that step further, it's going to take a little bit more time. It's going to take a little bit more, you know, not maybe more energy or more of a push, but it's it's okay to to stay put. So, yeah, Yeah, I think that's
1: expectation is a large part of our job. Yeah,
0: and that's exactly what you said. That's coming from yourself, who is somebody that helps people create change Mm -hmm. and 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 make progress in life, but knowing and accepting that I'm okay with where I am at the moment. I think that's an amazing mental win to have or a mental strength Mm -hmm. to have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, The idea of acceptance is incredibly powerful and is often the backbone will often underpin our ability or capacity to create meaningful change and to sustain the actions required to create meaningful change. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you talk a lot about compassion, Mm. and how do you use compassion in your coaching and I suppose something that I'm quite big on when it comes to working with clients and their nutrition is self-compassion using that Mm -hmm. with ourselves it's something that I've really tried to work on myself in the past couple of years and so yeah how how do you use compassion with your clients
1: so the concept behind self-compassion is that we would treat ourselves in the same way that we would treat others in their moments of discomfort, pain or suffering. So to support my clients or or individuals, try to figure out what that might look like or how they can do that. I will simply ask them, how would you treat your best friend if they were going through what you're going through right now? What would you say to your daughter if they experienced the setback that you experienced? It's just about giving someone an anchor to come back to. Uh, the golden rule for self-compassion is if you wouldn't say it to your best friend, then don't say it to yourself. But it goes beyond what it is that you'd say, because if you reflect on what I shared about my experience with my inner critic, she doesn't say a lot of very nasty things. She thinks obsessively about quite small things. And as a result, it grows disproportionately in my mind. So something that, you know, really wasn't that big of a deal. Because I've spent so much time thinking about it, I've, I've grown it and it, it, it in many ways would have taken over a large part of my day or my week or my month. So when we look at self-compassion, um, there's three different pillars to self-compassion. It's made up of three different things. Self-kindness, common humanity and balanced awareness or mindfulness. Um, Self-kindness, how do you talk to yourself? So our experience of self-compassion will look at our physical body, our mental body, and and how we interact. How do you talk to yourself? What do you say? Are you constantly undermining yourself by going, you can't do that, you're not good enough, they're not going to like it, what are they going to think? Or are you saying, you're so stupid you can't do this you can't wear that black dress cuz you're too fat so it looks at how we talk to ourselves how we describe our experiences common humanity looks at how we feel in our experience of life are we um do we feel isolated do we think that we're the only one do we find ourselves often saying god it's so easy for becky why does she always seem to get it right and it's always so hard for me uh, Common humanity was a huge thread that supported me in my um, kind of in the early days and weeks and months of becoming a mom. Those late night feeds reminding myself I'm not the only one. There are so many mamas up with their husband sleeping next to them with a fussy baby trying to get them onto the boob, trying to give them the bottle to get them to feed. I'm not the only one. And then mindfulness it's about. Mindfulness was a really powerful one for me as well because it helped me to appreciate the importance of sitting in balanced awareness of my thought. So rather than avoiding it, ignoring it, brushing it under the rug or over-identifying with the thought, chasing it, I would simply acknowledge that the feeling is there, acknowledge that it's difficult, but try really hard not to over-identify or to avoid so those three pillars of self-compassion can support people to understand how they might be showing themselves how they might be judging or criticizing themselves because quite often we think well if i'm not calling myself stupid i'm not mean to myself Mm -hmm. whereas understanding these three pillars will help people to understand there's more than one way to be mean to yourself there's more than one way to judge or to criticize yourself um so strategies or techniques that i'll use Simply, I'll say, well, what would you say to your friend if they were struggling? Um, What are you struggling with? What is the feeling and where do you notice it? It could be anxiety. I feel it in my tummy. It could be um, overwhelm. I feel it in my chest. It could be um, stress. I feel it in my head. So being able to acknowledge the feeling is a really really important step noticing where that feeling is is also really helpful um, and then asking yourself if your friend was going through what I'm currently struggling with what would I say to her or what would I do for her and quite often it's encouraging words it's motivation it's reminding her of all the amazing things that she has done it's a hug it's a cuddle it's a cup of tea or a glass of wine it's your favorite chocolate bar It's going outside for a walk, but we engage in some form of self-supporting or self-compassionate behavior that will help our friend who is struggling, take the pressure off to take the weight off. But yet when we're the ones struggling, we don't show any of that kindness to Mm -hmm. ourselves. So, we're trying to change that and self compassion empowers us to change that by looking at what it is that we do for others and then taking gentle and slow steps towards doing those things for ourselves and it really is it's transformative it's an absolute tonic for the soul when you notice after practicing self compassion for a long time that you've changed the narrative from judgment and criticism to support and understanding it is just incredible it's the reason why my business is still here it's the reason why um I didn't get completely lost in grief we had um, a miscarriage so we lost our first baby to miscarriage self-compassion saved me because I truly began to appreciate the power of living in the moment and not reliving what happened or worrying about what might happen or might not happen um, so self compassion can in many ways save us, uh, as it certainly did my relationships, my business, myself. Um, because I am such a wonderful overthinker, um, I, was buried, <laughs> yeah. I was very I was burying myself in negative thoughts. Um, but when I discovered self compassion, I finally had a tool to help me dig my way out mm-hmm. of it, and it's been incredible.
0: I think. I could not agree more with what you said self-compassion I think keeps people going and not from a you know hardcore perspective of just keep going you'll make it it's just like that I suppose like shining light of like everything's Mm -hmm. going to be okay I'm you know Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna push myself because I'm I know I can't be pushed right now but you know it's it's knowing that it's it's going to work out and it's going to be okay and you're not going to have that extra pressure or that added voice in your head of why can't you do this and why shouldn't you be doing this but it's also self
1: self compassion isn't about knowing what things will look like tomorrow because we can't look into a crystal ball and figure out our future we we can't say with any certainty that this result will happen or that I will be okay if I get a result that I don't want. Self-compassion is about I have the tools that I need to work my way through whatever happens. Self-compassion is about recognizing that we're doing our situational best in every moment and that's all that we can do. So we're not trying to predict with any certainty what will happen, but we're just trying to learn that whatever does happen isn't going to kill mm-hmm. us. And we will be okay with whatever the outcome is or however that looks. That that I think is a is a really important piece. We could then can look at um another type of self-compassion call called fierce self-compassion. So we have a yin and a yang to self-compassion. We have a very soothing, kind, and gentle self-compassion. Then we have a fierce, protective sort of self-compassion. So for example, um I have goals related to my health and fitness. Some of those goals uh, would be motivated by my performance I really want to be able to go to a playground and throw my kids around and do the monkey bars I remember Billy once saying to me mommy can't do the monkey bars well I am telling you stuck with you forever (laughs) did the monkey bars ripped my hands pulled all my muscles but I did them. them I want to be able to do that with greater ease so a lot of the training that I now focus on is around building my upper body strength and my back strength um And there are days where I really don't want to do that. There are days where I really do not want to show up for my training. I do not want to show up for my exercise. But with fierce self-compassion, I'll remind myself, Sarah, this, this goal of yours is going to take a little bit of work and you're not going to accomplish it by sitting down and twiddling your thumbs and letting yourself get away with stuff. You have what it physically takes to show up. You have all the equipment. You have the time. Show up. Show up for yourself, mm-hmm. show up for your goals and protect them because you're the only one who can fight for what it is that you want to create in your life. So fight for it. That sort of fear, self-compassion has transformed not only my mindset, but the mindset of many of my clients we have to fight for the things that we want in our life. Self-compassion isn't about empowering laziness. It's not about feeling sorry for ourselves. It's not about a pity party. Sometimes we need to sit down and be quiet and eat a tub of Ben and & Jerry's, and other times we need to show up and fight for what we want. Both of those are forms of self-compassion.
0: That's that's a really good point to note um and like I was saying something that I use a lot with my clients is that, you know, self-compassion and some days it'll be a case of hitting the snooze button because your body really needs to rest and not go to the gym, and you you know need to just get that extra hour of sleep. Other days, exactly how you worded it is saying I've got goals that are important to me. Therefore, that means getting up, getting dressed, despite it being a cold January morning, and getting getting to the gym. And something that I often is the question that I use with myself and get clients to use my, with themselves is what would my future self thank me for? What is yourself at the end of the day going to say, I'm so glad that Vicky, you did this, or I'm so glad that Sarah, you did this. And exactly what you said, sometimes that's going to be sitting on the couch and eating a tub of Ben and Jerry's because you'll just feel, Oh, I've really just, you know, used this evening for myself. Other evenings it's going to be put your running shoes on or put your walking shoes on and get outside for a 30 minute walk. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, I, th- I think that's a a really great note to finish on because self compassion is like one of the I don't know something that's just exactly what you said it, it changed my life and it still is changing my life because I still need to catch myself when I need to use it um, and I could talk all day to you about this but I just want to say thank you so much for all of your advice and your experience is phenomenal like you have honestly ten plus years of experience is just thank amazing thank you. Um, and, and you should be you should be very proud of yourself oh, because yeah. I just think you're a, an inspiration which is great and I, I love to hear that, that so awesome. thank you so much for for joining me Sarah I have three rapid fire questions for you okay. just before the end of the podcast very easy question well actually I, I say they're easy a lot of people have struggled with them Thanks. um but the first one is what is your favorite breakfast
1: oh eggs eggs and rushers
0: Mm. very nice choice yes. um, your favourite music artist
1: I'll tell you who I'm listening to at the moment I'm listening to a lot of Nina Simone yeah. at the moment
0: wow okay yeah. that's very interesting yeah
1: amazing I am basically I am um, inept I really am if I'm not listening to Nina Simone I'm probably listening to Backstreet Boys or Westlife or Britney Spears or something like that
0: oh, I'm still back in the 90s that's what I love to hear yeah yeah amazing yes. and lastly what's your favorite book this can be you know a a, a mindset book it can be just a normal, harry potter. normal book. <laughs> harry potter harry potter sorry you did mention that at the start well sarah thank you so much it has been so lovely chatting to you and i really just hope you have enjoyed being on the long story short podcast you
1: are some woman for woman vicky you really are 24 yeah. and you're absolutely killing it so congratulations to you it was a privilege to be
0: thank here. you so much really hope you enjoyed that episode with Sarah and took plenty of helpful tips from it. This was one of those episodes that I think every woman needs in their life. You can also find more about Sarah on her Instagram at Sarah underscore the better life project or by checking out her website www.thebetterlifeproject.ie. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to share it with your friends, family, or anyone else you think might enjoy it too, as it really helps in growing the podcast. For more info, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Vicky Cornick, as well as my gym page at victory underscore fitness underscore IE. This is where you can also check out our 28 day trial that we run for half price. And lastly, if you're wanting to get updates for future episodes, which include some incredible guests, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. See you next time!